everybody. Welcome back to the Keen Late Podcast, the Premier Whiskey Podcast, with with the mention of whiskey in its title Thank now. Thank God. We are live once again from the Fountainhead Roof Deck, but it's a little different this time because it's not Keen Late after dark, but it is the sun falling. As we are here live at 6.30 p.m. on a Monday night for a Women Who Whiskey event with Star Wars Distillery, represented by me, Jake Hookie, the host of the podcast and Star Wars Brand Ambassador. <laughs> Who would have guessed? I actually introduced myself. Uh, and also with me is the one and only Callum O'Donnell. Callum, talk oh. to the mic. Oh, hello, hello. Sorry, <laughs> I thought I was waving to the people. Let's give them some people. Also with the us people is Jamie Duffy, who's pouring some Sonoma for us tonight. Hello, everyone. Um, so we are doing a little bit of a live podcast, a weird introduction to uh, this event we're doing with Women Who Whiskey, where we have four brands, including Sonoma. Oh, no, get on there. Hola. Noah is with a uh, Rabbit Hole Distilling Co. and also with the great uh, company of Pernod. And Bob is speaking right now, who is usually hosting the podcast with us when we were here at Fountainhead, introducing the guests of about 20 people or so to our event as we're doing it safely uh, outdoors, drinking whiskey, enjoying our libations, and enjoying life. So we're going to talk about the brands that we are pouring here while we live uh, actually present. So. I think I'm up first talking about Star Wars, and then Callum is going to direct the podcast from then to maybe the end of the podcast and take over from here, and Wilson and I will not have a job. You're not, on a po- you're not on a microphone. Once again, you're not talking into a microphone. Callum is not doing his job. Callum never does his job right. I say I have a co-host all the time on this podcast, but I usually don't have to do it all by my goddamn self. Kelly from Women Who Whiskey, was, who was on a previous episode in January or February of this year, is speaking right now. She's wearing a polka dot dress. Looks great. Thanks, Jamie. Jamie's wearing a blanket. <laughs> Kelly liked it. <laughs> Callum, go ahead and talk. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, finally, my moment, had, my moment to shine has come. Um, so I know that you were all listening to Jake talk and you've been listening to Jake for the last year and a half or so, but it's my time now. Callum, how often do you get the opportunity to uh, be the star on the podcast? I'm, 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 I'm always the star on this podcast, man. I mean, come on. No, That's not what I've heard. Seriously, it's, it's, uh, it, this is an honor. I'm like sitting in front of the laptop. Usually I'm on the other side mm-hmm. and Jake's like looking down. He's very angry. Do you know sometimes. what you're doing with the laptop? No, no, I'm literally not going to touch it. <laughs> he can't afford to what I've it. heard is he usually presses pause whenever you start talking. Yes, yeah, he does is mute me often. He mutes me often because I laugh so obstructively and ignorantly into the mic. So let's uh, let's actually. What? Come on, come on. Okay. This is good. We're fine. Right. We're fine. <laughs> Kill slight, on the host. Slight, slight, slight break there, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> as we were interrupted rudely by the original host of Game of Podcast. But no, so seriously, um, just before we just before we jumped on and we were doing the tasting, we were actually talking a little bit about your job, Jamie. Yes. Um, and how it's... It I think it's a fantastic job. Yeah, and how it differs so much from... It's interesting. I think the hardest part that I have with it is you're not consistently with one brand, so it's hard to have an identity. So a lot of people people will get confused with the concept, but once they understand it, it's really cost-effective yeah. and productive. You and I are very similar that way because I oversee 11 brands. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was something that... 11 hats. That was something that, you know resonated with me no it's funny to hear you saying that jamie has such an interesting job because what's your title jamie what is your job title uh regional manager okay so noah's obviously a key account manager but they're two completely different almost polar opposite identities in the sense that noah works for 
the second biggest wine and spirits corporation mm-hmm. in the world, Pernod Ricard, and you work for it's basically a craft or local startup brands. It's startup it's brands. A, so for the most part, yeah. It's it's the om, almost like once your brands are come to fruition and they start selling well or whatever, they might actually get passed over. They might get bought. And oh, that's our hope. That's, that's our hope. Is, yeah. What's interesting is my division, New Brand Ventures. I think works a lot like your company because we build brands. We build mm-hmm. these teeny small little brands, mm-hmm. right? But within the constructs of a much larger organization. Right. So what are some of the brands that you've got going at the moment, Jamie, that you think, like, what's your what's your golden hope, if you like? What's your dream team brand right now? What's the brand that you look at and you think, okay, this this is one that could get bought in the future. This is one that could make it to yeah. a Pernod Ricard. Well, I have to go with the brand that I fully manage myself. Am I too loud, Bob? Bob's, Bob's trying to be funny. Um... <laughs> Already on Jamie's nerves. Took about five minutes. Um, no, come here. <laughs> um, so once again, okay, ladies so and gentlemen, we've anyways. been interrupted rudely <laughs> during my first hosting session of Kindle Lake Podcast. I am definitely going to get fired. Anyway, Jamie, sorry, okay. you were saying. So I have to go with the brand that I fully manage, but I also think it's really interesting. So it's Cantilever Distillery. It's um, Cantilever is a type of bridge, isn't it? Yes. Thanks. So yeah. it's on the border of Minnesota and Canada. And the bridge that connects the two is the Cantilever Bridge. Oh, wow. The so Cantilever Bridge, uh, that specific one in Rainier, was used uh, in Prohibition to bring whiskey over. Oh, great And they story. got raided. That Cantilever Bridge got raided. And they dumped the barrels onto the lake. And the lake was frozen. So people ran out on the lake and were licking the whiskey oh off, which sounds kind of nice. Like, I would totally yeah, go to a bathroom. on the rocks. Into, Yeah. <laughs> It's whiskey on the rocks. Ice, uh, lake, <laughs> ice lake whiskey. Come on. But Minnesota actually has more peat right now than Scotland. Um, so we are putting away. Callum O'Donnell, do you have a comment on this? Y'all used it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know we used it all. Callum, <laughs> what I've actually heard is they are importing peat from Minnesota. Have you heard this? I, you're both fired from the Wikipedia <laughs> like Whiskey podcast. No, so but that's that's interesting, right? So let's look at a brand like Cantilever, okay? So I don't. You obviously, Jamie, you probably aren't. At, at, you're probably not disposed to talk too much about numbers and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we're probably talking about similar sizes to some of the brands that you manage. Noah manage, for example, Monkey Forty Seven. Obviously, you manage Aberlour. Everybody that listens to the Keenan Lake podcast, you guys will have heard us battering on about Aberlour in the past, which is the brand that I. I work for but what are some other brands that maybe you on the smaller end Noah that might be compatible to to Keenal at eh, not Keenal Lake might be compatible to Cantilever well I probably are three whiskey brands Rabbit Hole Smooth Ambler and TX all small small little distilleries yeah um, they really just started by bootstrapping their way and then Pernod invested in them Right, um. and that, and that it's it's curious that isn't it? Like looking at it from because it's probably your biggest brand, right? It's actually not. I mean, St. George definitely okay. is. Um, but the reason I think it's so fun a is like the peated single malts that we're putting away there. But as I'm finding that there's so many, we all know there's so many distilleries in the U.S. It's yeah, 
I mean, it's, it's, a, it's oversaturated. A, yeah, there's too and, many, perhaps. But up in the International Falls area, in that area of Minnesota, there's almost no other competition. And it's such a... Sorry, I'm playing footsie with you. That, no, no, you just... Someone keeps kicking me, and I was like, is it Noah, or is it... I was hoping it was you, Jamie. <laughs> I, I was very lucky. I apologize to your girlfriend. We, <laughs> Callum and I play footsie all the time, so... Um, definitely wouldn't have been me this time. It's kind of cold, so I'm doing what I can to keep warm. <laughs> footsie. <laughs> um, but, so... The community has really gotten behind it uh, that, because that there's no other local brand, say. and it's a lake town, so everyone has disposable income because they're going up there for their lake houses. Yeah. Uh, we also found a guy named Woody. He's this is this is the famous the famous Woody, right? He's yes. become the face of He's the brand famous, almost. Yes. Right? So Cantilever is our higher end part of the brand, and then we have a more affordable lake life brand, um, where Woody is the local fishing guide. There, he's been fishing, or guiding uh for over 40 years he started in high school so he's a he's a he native like he's grabs a native a, grabs a bottle and just heads out on the lake <laughs> woody's fairly comes reliable back, was come his back six ever day some come back six hours later with an half empty the bottle. case depletions are woody uh <laughs> really i actually like haskell's the big chain up in minnesota he's like i took the owner fishing i'll get us in there i'm like <laughs> great i'm gonna get fired <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though because so to give to that's the, that's the, the perspective from your site, right? Mm-hmm. So Cantilever, tiny brands, you know, and, and oh, I took the owner fishing. That's how we're going to get it in. So from your perspective, Noah, those are things that happen a lot working for Pernod Ricard, right? You know, where you the, you need, you know, you're good friends with an owner. And that's probably one of the only ways that you get. Like today we were talking about Rabbit Hole has a gin, you know, and a Rabbit Hole's a it's a fairly successful whiskey brand, you mm-hmm. know, but th- there was only a couple of places that we could think of that, that have, have the, gin, the gin. And the reason they have the gin is purely because of relationships. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the largest retail store in the city won't even carry the gin. Yeah. You know, and for a brand that's owned by Pernod Ricard that can't get the gin into the largest retail store. Yeah, Why do you think that is? Is it price point? Um, it's definitely not price point. I don't know. I, I mean, there's definitely an oversaturation of gin right there now. There is an oversaturation of gin, but I think that from the start, this brand has had an upward battle at Binnie's. And I think as well, you know, it there comes a stage that brands and retailers... Um, and anyone t- to anyone listening to the podcast, you'll know yourself that sometimes you just can't find your favorite bottle of whiskey in a specific retailer. Sometimes retailers just take take a, a, a dislike to, to a specific brand. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I was going to say, have you, because these brands are so local, Jamie, you know, and they're uh, they're hyper local almost, right? I mean, that Cantilever brand is so specific to Rainier, Minnesota. Um, do you find it difficult to then, you know, how do you then find a selling point moving on from Cantilever? Yeah. How do you, no, how that's do you a good question. and get through the borders? Because I'm sure a peated single malt from northern Minnesota, that's a great selling, that's a USP, right. right? So I think that's that's a common issue that you fall in with when you're a craft brand with maybe not prior experience in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone who hadn't been working in the industry for years and years, like mm-hmm. wouldn't think about that. They think, Oh my backyard, let's make it all yeah. about Minnesota. So yeah. we actually did the design for both bottles. Um, and in that we wanted to make sure that it was applicable to anyone in the Midwest, you yeah. know? So cantilever, 
I wish I had a bottle to show you guys right now. Um, but beautiful packaging, premier packaging where you could see it in any state, much like the rabbit hole. Like I don't think Kentucky when I see rabbit hole. Um, but then the Woody's like for a lake life brand, you know, we made it fun where it's applicable to any lake yeah. anywhere. There's yeah. a boat anywhere. Yeah. There's fishing, you know, I, like I think this, you, this day and age, it's really important to not focus on your town and, and just to, to, to do something with your brand that's going to set yourself apart. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds and hundreds of whiskey brands in the United States that keep popping up every single day. And so what is it that's going to... But what are, what are those things? What do you think those things are? Obviously, Cantilever has that story. You yeah. guys have got Woody. It's got an amazing story there. But for, for you... So for... Well, let's take Rabbit Hole okay. specifically. So for Rabbit Hole... So can, can give a wee bit of background on Rabbit Hole because obviously people listening might not know it. So, well. so so this is a brand that was started by a gentleman named Kaveh Zamanian mm-hmm. uh, out of just a love for whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent about 27 years living here in Chicago, meets his wife here, falls in love. She is a Louisvillian. I love I me a love story. That's how you say the name. Me love too. stories and whiskey? They're the oh, best. Give it to me. Love and, <laughs> love and whiskey. it into my veins. <laughs> The, ladies and gentlemen, the right host of Keen and Lake Whiskey Podcast has changed all of a sudden. He's looking at, he's looking for romance now. <laughs> no, sorry, go on. <laughs> and he's got a beautiful accent. Thanks, thanks. I'm putting it on. I'm actually from Detroit. Anyway. <laughs> um, so his wife convinces him to move down to Louisville, where mm-hmm. she grew up, is originally from. And Kaveh, having been a lover of single malt scotch... Oh, um, took a jump into bourbon that's brilliant falls in love with not just his wife but bourbon (gasps) the true love story true triangle the isosceles triangle with whiskey at the top Mm -hmm. anyway go on (laughs) and she dares him to take a leap of faith and 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 jump down the proverbial rabbit hole nice wow the brand is born you've done that before because that was slick so so a lot of things probably in that rabbit hole too that we're not talking oh yeah. about. Oh, 100%. yeah, stuff that I don't. I mean, we know could about. go. We could talk about holes and rabbits, <laughs> but we we won't do that, ladies and gentlemen. That's not that kind of love story. It's not this kind of podcast. <laughs> not, this isn't an after dark podcast. <laughs> listen, it's a getting dark. One. Is this going to get edited out? No, no, this won't. Jake, well, Jake will definitely edit this out. But anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, as I say, uh, first time hosting. Um, <laughs> so, so here's the challenge. Mm-hmm. He's starting up a brand in Kentucky, in Louisville, with all these other great distilleries. How do you differentiate yourself? Well, he spent years coming up with different mash bills. I think okay. he produced 200 different mash bills before settling on the original four, which is the same four that we have today. Nice. And... His goal was to use different grains, mm-hmm. and he uses about 30% malted grains in his whiskeys. And in your typical whiskey or bourbon mash bill, you have three grains, mm-hmm. right? Corn, rye, and barley. Um, so what you'll see in a lot of these whiskeys are different styles of grains and malted grains at that. Yeah, and I mean, so that, that's one kind of point of differentiation. And then going over to Cantilever or, or any brands that you work on. Because yeah. I suppose that, that from a brand perspective, I mean, we all know, like, are you so, Star Wars now? Yeah. Right. So we all know that Star Wars as a whiskey, 
an Australian single malt, it has a USP, right? But it also tastes re- like really, really good juice. But mm-hmm. for a brand out of Minnesota or for St. George's or whoever it might be, or Sonoma even, Sonoma that we're going to be tasting tonight. Um, and shout out to Adam. He was fantastic. When a Spiegel is it? Yes. Yeah, Adam. Love you, came, Adam. He Thanks was, for giving me a job. He was, he was amazing when he came on the podcast. So vibrant, you know. So when it comes to these whiskeys, in, in a world like that you said before, that's saturated with right. these whiskey brands, how do you go about not just this differentiating, differentiating yourself from flavor, but how do you do it from a brand perspective? Like, what's your view on that? Like, what have you done in the past with these brands that really has catapulted them forward or, or you know, made a real assault on, on yeah. the whole category? So I struggled really hard with COVID um, because when I was hired for the collective, I was hired when when the when the idea of the company had first started um, as primarily the on-premise specialist because I believe in applications, Right. Do we have the right price point and and what cocktail does it go right in because that's going to move bottles where if you're a young brand a lot of times right now with how much whiskey is on the shelves it's really hard to make sure that people pull your brand oh you'll get lost but if it's yeah. a really exciting cocktail then they'll choose that um no nose up jake i'm going to pass back over to you ladies and gentlemen what a pleasure it was to host <laughs> My first, uh, my first Key in the Lake whiskey podcast. Um, this is a good conversation, though. I think we should we yeah. should continue on this tack because absolutely, you did so good. Thanks. Maybe Thank as good as Jake. <laughs> There's no way. He's so well, he's so eloquent and articulate. I've still to. He's got better sweaters it. than you, though. Oh, he's like got better jackets. dress sense. Full stop. Yeah. You know, I will give him that. Mm-hmm. So Noah's just getting ready to pair uh, to pour himself some rabbit hole. I think Playing we went maracas. We went through, <laughs> we went through both. Uh, we went through all three of the Star Wars there. Jake, I'm going to pass over to you. How long did we go for that? Yeah, we're still going, baby. Callum did such a good job. Oh, we're having dead air. Jamie, why are you not talking to the microphone? Oh, hello. Well, it was. Um, that was a very and interesting to go through. Was it? Yeah, I don't think people are too keen to listening to us. Mm. They're also well, and it's eat- hard too because we're talking and trying to have conversation, but then I was trying to listen to you. Oh, why would you listen to me? <laughs> it's a dumb idea. No, I think it's all, we're all, we're outdoors. It's a little chilly. Yeah. And everyone is eating dinner. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think a lot of it is like getting back out there. Oh, you probably. get kind of yeah. I went to a, a micro wedding and. I got back out there. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Uh, it, it is interesting to think how many people maybe haven't been out yet. Right. Because the first tasting we did here a month ago, um, my mask fell off. Okay. His mask fell off. The first we did here a month ago. See, we have masks. We're safe. We are, yeah. We're trying to be. I would say probably half the people of the 21, it was their first time being out. Yeah. That's wild. How was it going to a wedding? You know, it was weird. How big was it? Uh, it was 35 people. Um, and it was mostly family. Well, my in-law family. Um, and it was good. Everyone was... It was actually at Thornton Distilling Company in Thornton, Illinois. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was the first wedding they've ever had because they were like... The space was still being uh, fit or put up. You do work with them, right? And finishing. No. Oh. What's the no, I had met them in the past. Um... Is there one, who is the one that, the guy that offered you money to do an RTD? We can't talk about that on the podcast. That's not her side of the city, though. <laughs> um, I knew somebody did. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but awesome craft cocktails. It was really good. I will say it's really hard to have a socially distanced wedding once people start drinking and dancing. But I guess at that point, you kind of trust everybody who's there in a micro wedding. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's kind of how I look at it. It's like when you go out to dinner with, let's say, our spouses and I went out to, went to dinner together. We would all take our mask off because we're sitting at a table trusting that we, right. you know, we've been yeah. safe about it all. Yeah. And it's like, I'm getting married in May and we're kind of thinking about that. And I'm like, I don't know if it. Speaking of your wedding, I think yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to Journeyman this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. For yeah. what? Just to get away? Just like, it's the last nice weekend probably of the year. Yeah. And go and hang out in the putt-putt, hang out with Matt, mm-hmm. talk shit to Bill. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. I haven't been there in a year and a half. I Yeah, I went for the first time maybe three weeks ago. Um, and they're, like, still doing well. I mean, it was definitely so. socially distanced, but, like, the tables were full as they it's could be. a huge be. space, too. Um, yeah, but, I mean, they were occupying it pretty well. I'm sure they're still hurting because the event spaces aren't held up as well. Are they still doing weddings out there right now? They are, but I think they're doing like micro weddings because they have three event spaces, so they have smaller ones. You're giving me a lot of microaggressions right now. What? You're giving me a lot of microaggressions. Micro, micro. It's a new buzzword. (laughs) (laughs) Buzzwords indeed. Uh, Don't say anything about the South. So, is your company traveling? Having you travel at all? Nope, I can't. I was going to go to Texas because it's part of my market because they're doing tastings down there. So I was going to work with our new tasting program down there, or uh, uh, lack of a better term, modeling agency. Mm-hmm. And it's Promotional pro- company. Okay, thank you. Whatever the politically correct word is nowadays. But the, okay, I actually have a lot of facts it on is this. It's called modeling something, though. Well, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. So my aunt founded On the Rocks yes. here in Chicago um, that Breakthrough works with exclusively now, and then she sold it like six years ago. But if we can call females and males models in the application you can be fired for um not showing up attractive and what that means like say you didn't do your as a female you didn't do your makeup that day or hair like they're they're looking for you to be dressed up you know if you don't fit the uniform if you gain like 80 pounds or something you could be fired as well as a male you know what i love is you said gained 80 pounds and he immediately looked at me because she looked right at me whiskey podcast looked at me i was transferring her microaggression from me to you. What it's like to be a lady, <laughs> you know? Hey, ladies. <laughs> that was the that was the quarantine eighty pounds that I put on, ladies and gentlemen. No, you didn't. You lost sixteen. You said. I know, but I put a shitload on recently. I lost eight. <laughs> me too. I'm getting a Peloton in two weeks, and it's all gonna turn around. Hmm. You've been Keep waiting for that for a while. Up. But no, we yeah, aren't tra- we aren't traveling. I was asking to travel to Texas, and they told me no. And with more states getting added and taken off to our state quarantine list or county quarantine list it's mm-hmm. hard to even decipher that because uh jamie or not jamie but kelly and erica were actually heading to kentucky this weekend but now kentucky is on our quarantine list so yeah i was gonna okay <laughs> okay my boss is well, on his way there right now no your boss is fine noah's up guys rabbit hole distilling co yeah, this is. Uh, we actually. Do you know what? It worked out really, really well because we got a we. Um, we actually got a little. What we tasted first? Uh, we're tasting this one. Yes. Yeah. So this is the straight bourbon. Nice. Cave Hill. I enjoy that. Are you? Are you've got a little bit? Yes, and I'm familiar with the brand. One of our one of our dear friends used to be their brand ambassador. Harrison. Oh, nice Harrison Pius. Well, so um, super interesting that, that uh, Noah was actually talking about um, 
you know, it was a, it's a bit of a love story. And we were saying, because what oh. happened was the guy, Cabby, who founded Rabbit Hole, um, he fell in love with his wife, who was from Kentucky okay. in Chicago. And they oh. lived here for years, but then she eventually convinced them to move down to, she eventually convinced them to move down to Kentucky. And oh. he went down there as a Scotch madman. He loved Scotch. And he ended up... Um, going down the rabbit hole if you like the proverbial rabbit hole of bourbon and whiskey and um, and here we are you know, which is really cool which is really, really cool I've probably butchered that story but I'm sure Noah, Noah, Noah gave a but lovely Noah, here we are in the Fountainhead Roof Deck Garden on a lovely fall evening taking some rabbit hole I actually, I actually love this is my favourite wet kind of weather and yeah. I think to be honest any, anybody that's listening anybody that's listening to the, to the Keen Lake podcast today and you have maybe been missing a little bit of those 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 pre-COVID times when we could all go out, have a couple of drinks together, go to a lovely whiskey tasting. Um, this is these events really kind of remind me why I love my job so much. You know why right. I love whiskey, why I love the passion that people have that's behind it, and why I love great bars. You I know? think it reminds the community too what they're missing yeah, out. That's, you know, and it's so funny because these communities, they they they're so. They're so you get these really small ones like here in uh, Women Who Whiskey, where there might be two or three people show up, but then they become this larger one, and it really has that feel to it, you know. Yeah. And it's great being here. It's really, really great being here. And, it, and honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the weather, even though we have to wear a little bit more, uh, a little bit extra clothing. I'm dressed for fall, baby. A, a couple of whiskeys, man. Those will warm you up in no time, you know. Are you still not drinking? I'm not drinking. No, sober October for me. Um, and it's 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 going okay. It's going okay. I'm definitely feeling it tonight because this is one of those occupational hazards of the job where you're standing around so many fucking great whiskeys, like the Sonomas. Oh. I'm. This is going to be my hardest moment because when we we when we spoke to Adam actually, episode seventy one ish. So that it? was during quarantine. That was during quarantine. Um, we spoke to Adam and he t- kind of took us through a bunch. And there was one particular one. I think it was pine. It was a cherrywood. Cherrywood. Oh my. The Cherrywood rye. You, you like the bur- you like the rye. Well, I sh- we like them all. You um, prefer the rye over the bourbon. I the was Sonoma the bourbon. Di- distilling called Cherrywood rye whiskey was yeah. so tasty. And I remember that night I'd, I'd gone over at Jake's and I was thinking, you know, what? I'm not going to have a lot of drinks. Whatever, <laughs> this is fine. And then by the time I turned up there, I was like, and we were trying. And Adam was talking us through, and he had some great stories yeah, about great stories. Like, you know, chopping, peeling potatoes, and all this kind of oh, stuff yeah. right, out yeah. the back of a truck, sleeping in so, Taco Bell or something. So. Like I remember being 22 and I was in New York at Indie Spirits Expo. Ooh. All right. Now I co produce Small World. Alleg- oh. Allegedly. Allegedly. Just drop that in there. We're still doing it this year. But no, we're oh. not. Has it been officially canceled? Yeah. No, oh, I didn't get the email. Dave should email. See, I thought it was that Dave emailing about our uh, event this weekend. Mm. Yeah. That's why I said yes. Then I realized. Oh. But back to Ravel. Okay, sorry. Uh, but back to your story. Okay, wow. Sonoma, um, Adam speaking. Yeah, so um, Adam was there, like, pushing the brand at the showcase, uh-huh. and I was trying to convince him to go out for beers. I'm like, Adam, oh, no. you only live once. Let's go out all night. And he's like, oh, I just had a kid or How something like that. How old was he at this time? This was seven years ago. Because he's, he's he's still he a come, young guy. Yeah, I don't but know he how old he is. As like I would say he's probably thirty six, yeah. thirty seven. Yeah, I think he's time frame. He comes across as a very young man when he yeah. speaks, but like you can tell, like he's got kids and stuff, and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, so y- yeah. you know, he's maybe thirty five, mid thirties, mid to late thirties. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think it's crazy that I was there. Like he was a fellow Ber- 
he owned the brand, but I didn't know mm-hmm. that at the time because oh, okay. he was just another person in the showcase. I was like, Adam, let's go out. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I I work for your brand and manage <laughs> it here. Like that's so we're cool. Coercing him. Like, <laughs> coercing him into a night this world of just, libations. The industry is so small. Oh, like seven years in it, is, I feel yeah. like is. 25 you know years in a normal industry. I think that it's it's both the beauty it's both the beauty of it and the curse of it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's amazing. It's it's amazing to know so many different people and to meet so many different people across the industry. And to me personally, like in Chicago when I first moved here, it was a little bit overwhelming because I was like, "Oh my god, there's so many people that I have to meet." There's so many people that I have to meet here, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it was n- it was, you know, you know, I think it's a conversation we should have more in depthly about that about how do you meet people coming into a new market yeah. especially yeah that seems intimidating right. well I, I i was a jake was that we were talking about this recently when we we're at sportsman's which is just on if anybody's not been to sportsman's in chicago it's a great bar and um, western and augusta uh, and hannibal bures was actually there the other night but um we were talking about this when when uh, we were at sportsman's and Jake obviously runs the keenlake.com website and there's a lot of different articles on there and I've actually started writing an article about this actual topic of the intimidation factor. Your editor's still waiting for it. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) The intimidation factor of turning up somewhere and being totally new and in this industry and and seeing that everybody knows everyone else and you have to kind of break into those smaller circles. Well, even when you walk into one account and you see somebody walk in and say, hey, what's up, Jason? Hey, what's up, John? And you're like, why does he know everybody? It's like, it might, might be his one best account too. It might be his key account. And the thing is, the thing is, in this industry, that happens all the time, you know, and, and it's funny you say that because when you're in New York at 22 years mm-hmm. old, you know, you probably didn't grasp the weight of that, the gravity of it. But also, that was probably one of your charms, right? Was that? Oh, that's what I say all the time. I wish. Didn't and care. Yeah. And I say yes. it about hiring new people. I'm like, I wish I could be green again because you will walk in any room and introduce no, yourself right. to everyone. Yeah. There's no preconceived notions. Yeah. There's nothing. Right. And. And that's infectious. I truly believe. Yeah. And I truly believed that like this small brand at the time, they're doing wonderful now, but at the time, like this small brand out of nowhere, Wisconsin was going to be like maker's mark. Oh yeah. There was was no end. Like, but I didn't even have like. You didn't have a constant. was actually out there competing with you. Any understanding. Yeah. Because it is part of the problem coming with like when you're a brand ambassador you have to avoid is becoming that myopic approach to that my whiskey is the best whiskey my whiskey is what I drink but there's something cute about it when it's authentic I think yes you're right right. and I I think anyone who has worked long enough that's why they say like a lot of people get jaded and because my company hires a lot of people for people Um, Mm. and my boss will say it a lot like it's another jaded guy that you know, has been yeah. in the industry forever. He can't think outside the box. Like, right. there's yeah. something so infectious about. But that's the thing. That's the thing is that you know, being green, it it has that effect on people, and people really remember the first time they meet you, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're in that right. like like I bet you Adam has hundreds of stories of when you were that age, 21, oh, 22, yeah. 23, but less so now because now you both go there and you're both I don't want to say weathered but right. experienced, and you're both like oh like you Jamie's you a little she's a little weathered. <laughs> I'm super weathered. I'm like super weathered. But um, I, I even remember that trip actually. I um so we did the whole show and my friend had just moved to New York City. And it's she always came, dangerous to say. Someone's came, like, yeah. oh my God, let me show you around. Yeah, so she came to the show and sh- I was like, 
and I remember every bartender there was hitting on us. You know, we're 23-year-old girls, like, completely single, working for a small craft brand. And one of the higher-ups at Empire Distilling in New York was like, it's a cool brand. You should meet us at this bar later. And, and you're just thinking like, yeah, let's get smashed. I went, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to you know, go out with my friend regardless. Like She had to work in the morning. She's like, I think H&M opens at 7 a.m. I'll get a shirt. Like if we st- I'll stay at the hotel room with you. Like my hotel room. Been there. Been yeah. there. Like, you know, young, young 20s. And I did that in LA once, actually. I'm, I'm, I've got the shocked face on, but I did buy a shirt. Yeah. And um, oh, what's his name from Redemption? Not Eric. Eric uh, works with him. I don't know. I only know Eric. So one of the redemption reps walks into the bar, and he was living in New York at the time from Kentucky, and it was re- still redemption was still a really small brand. It wasn't with Deutsch yet. And he goes, "Jay, you shouldn't be here. You know nothing good happens after midnight." And I go, "Well, you're here." <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, but I'm a guy." And oh, that's when I yeah. was like, "Fuck this!" You know, if I want to go out with friends and like there happens to be work people, yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of a double standard with that. And I was like, "I'm gonna stay out," but I get that he was looking out for me right. at the same time. But it's just you, interesting. I remember thinking like, "You can go out all night with these di- these managers from a distributor, and you'll be the coolest dude the next day, and I'll be the the girl, the that wild was, chick." Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This it's it's like the guy that hooks up with girls and he's like oh you're the awesome bro and then the girl who does that she's a slut right right yeah label to that the, but uh, i just the I, unfair, that was the yeah. first time i got it like dealt to me where i was like oh i i'll never be what what it's like for a guy to be a traveling ambassador you know yeah, yeah, one, yeah. one of the things that i i suppose i was spoiled for when i started working in whiskey was i joined a graduate program and so there was quite literally there, i think there were more women than there were guys on the and graduate you talk program about the, what that is but but no, but it was just it was like we we were all green in the the industry at the time, and I remember like I remember being so shocked at the amount of men that there were when I went to the DR. Like there wasn't a single. The only woman was my direct line manager, but everybody else out in the field yeah. were all dudes. They Do were you mean all guys. like you're surprised that like tastings or no, events, no, be- liquor stores? No, I was surprised because I I just spent six weeks with like men and women. Like well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. when you went to market, like all the buyers market, menu, and there was yeah. no women anywhere yeah. it was like it was like they were a dying breed you know yeah. and then, like, i'd seen how great they they were like and that's still i mean there's not many women who are buyers in our market which is a no. pretty diverse culture of people when it comes yeah, that's to great, isn't it? Yeah. but it still lacks that representation yeah. for sure and definitely african-americans well this is a conversation how many, how many black buyers do you come along that's a good point i want to say possibly five percent Oh, that seems kind of high, to be honest with you. Yeah. I can't even think of... the. I, I know I can think of one black guy off the top of my head. Yeah, same here. But that's the thing, though, and it's and it's and that's definitely something that we've seen in the industry in the last month, is that these these te- these tendencies, these trends are starting to be bucked. Like mm-hmm. people are saying, do you know what? This has been happening for twenty years, thirty years, forty years now, right. and it's about time that it stopped. You know, yeah. and, and it's good. It's a good thing. You yeah, know, well, it's definitely a conversation happening in the industry. hundred percent. Right, right now. A hundred percent. You know. Um, um, well, we, we fell down on a rabbit hole, but not the yeah. rabbit hole of <laughs> the, the whiskey we were trying. Um, let's talk about the rye real quick that we had before your point. Yes. yes what is that it called again? So this is the Boxer Growl Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Lemongrass. And the nose, nose on, on it is beautiful. There is like a, a 
pine. Yeah. You or someone said pine earlier. I got it more in the taste, said, actually, yeah, than yeah. I did I, in the nose. I said pine for Sonoma because I was <laughs> trying to remember that cherry we'd I, uh, I have a few things in my glass right now that are mixing together and collating, but um, no, the nose is fantastic. The taste is even better, I think. They're straight, so they're at least two years. That's oh, really tasty. No, it's a. Uh, Lemony, a little bit of a, I mean, it, 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 it screams cocktail all over it because it just it has so many flavors going on, on the inside mm-hmm. of it. There's so many different variations I'm thinking of right now where you can, I mean, yeah, you can use it with traditional rye cocktails. A uh, highball with this would be fantastic. Put a little more lime in there. Yeah. Just a simple, easy two-step cocktail with it. Slowly becoming my favorite whiskey cocktail, the highball. I mean, why not? Because it's just so wh- straightforward. Wh- as we were talking about, I can't remember if we were talking on the podcast or just in real life about how water is like the essence to whiskey where yeah. it really opens it up and I think we were talking about both of our brands it's just you're adding soda water to your cocktail and then a little bit of sweetness from whatever fruit you choose to use as um, a garnish and I think with this lemon would be amazing because there's already some lemon, lemon notes on there well, that really only accentuate that fruity note to it. Just coming to the end of the summer there, you know, one of one of my favorite cocktails that I had all summer was quite, I think it was the Nova, or was it Twofold at um, Good Measure? Oh, the Star Wars Starburst? <laughs> the Star Wars Starburst. I tried to push it during the tasting here, but uh, no was, one really caught on. It was um, it was the oh, a slice, wrapping of, up. slice of lime, slice of lemon. Oh. Jamie. Jamie. Oh, Jamie. Jamie's Jamie's leaving the podcast early. <laughs> um, it's getting loud out there, guys. The wind is picking up. The city trains are also elevating in their noise levels. So I would say, speak not, loud, speak proud. Not not quite not quite beguile levels. Not beguile levels. Um, I think I think Noah's gonna help Jamie pour some whiskey. Jamie has a lot of bottles. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. But no, I think Cat um, looks great in her keen light T-shirt. Of course. Representing. There we Thanks go. for that, cat. Um But no, that was definitely one of my favorite kind of cocktail experiences of the of the summer was the Star Wars Starburst. And just how many did we have though? Oh, <laughs> not too many. I remember. I remember we started off by saying that we were going to have one. And it oh, was that so night. Tasty. Yeah, that night was different. Um, Bob, you jumping in here? Bob Zacharias will be jumping in here. Ladies, oh. you you heard it from us first, <laughs> on tenter hooks. But no, what was that? So the that was the boxer grill. The last one was the Derringer, I think. Derringer. John Derringer. There I you go. Assume. Yeah. Do you want to try some yeah, of this? So I'm this uh, one is finished in uh, Pedro Jimenez oh, uh, sherry casks. Yes. I've, I had this at an event not too long ago, which actually was long ago because we haven't had events in ages. <laughs> It seems not a uh, funny story. It just seems like. It Do you want to hear like a funny story about me tasting Rabbit Hole at an event one time? This was about four or five years ago. I was at a distributor event, a showcase event, and uh, at the time, the brand that I worked for and Rabbit Hole were on the same distributor here in Chicago. And for some reason, Harrison, who was a former rep and good friend, been on the podcast three times, who now works for MGP, had a candle at his Uh-oh. table. I'm talking to Harrison and chatting and trying to get rid of trying his evil whiskeys. spirits. He just taste, he just started working for Rabbit Hole at the time, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, some guys like, "Hey, bro, your jacket's on fire!" <laughs> My blazer had caught the tail of it had caught. Uh, so not not that your blazer looked really good, that your blazer was actually on. Fire. I responded saying, "Thanks." 
Dude, what did you do there? Did you flap it? Yeah, did I flapped you it. Get it like a wing? It really didn't do anything to the actual jacket, but... <laughs> Well, yeah. The jacket has a the jacket has a slight singe and a smoky flavor. It looks it. so punk rock. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I've been a fan of Rabbit Hole ever since. Uh, ever since they burned your jacket. Ever since, well, Harrison was a, is a good friend, and I trust his instinct in mm-hmm. working for a brand. And I was like, wow. It, it actually got me to the point where I'm like, how do I work for this brand? It was kind of one of those things. How do I yeah. shuffle from where I am right now to this one? So I have a long history with Rabbit Hole. I'm so glad they could be here with us tonight um, doing this I mean, tasting. I think, you know, just from a from a perspective, for anyone listening that's really, really into their whiskeys, um, obviously, Sherry Casks, as a ma- as a lover of Aberlour, I'm, I'm a massive fan, uh, fan of anyone that uses any any fortified wine cask. In fact, any wine cask I'm, I'm a really big fan of. Um, but just looking at the bottle itself, the, ra- the, mm. the, the design's beautiful, you know? The design is absolutely beautiful. Um, of the rabbit hole bottle, um, it's almost it's almost like a kind of rectangle shape, but they've got like a kind of dip it's in the middle. It's the really, really elegant. It's almost like an hourglass in a way. Yeah, really, really elegant. It's definitely one of those bottles you notice. I, I'll put it this way: if you've been to Untitled in Chicago, where there's a thousand whiskeys in the bar and it's overwhelming with music and people and uh, just atmosphere, I notice that bottle. I see that bottle on the shelf. And I think it's something we do all the time, right? We, we're always in bars, so we're always trying to, like, pinpoint specific whiskeys, right? right. You, I'm always... When I'm, when, today, we were, into, uh, we were into a couple of liquor stores. We went to Garfield's, obviously, massive chain here in Chicago. Um, and we were checking out different, uh, different brands. And one of the first brands that you look at whenever I was looking on the shelf, Rabbit Hole really kind of jumped out at me. It does, You know, yeah. it really does do that. And... If you're listening to this podcast and you don't work in whiskey, but you're a big fan of it, have a look at those brands when you, the next time you go to the liquor store and just have a think about how the, the shape of the bottle, the color, the logo and everything. Because yeah. that's something that Rabbit Hole Catches really does get eye. right, you know? I would say the brands that What was have, that like, the, the PX? Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it really has the, the fruity flavors elements to it, but still smoky and really um, a slight tobacco taste to it. Oh, yes, a classic. But nothing like overwhelming at all. Well, where it's, uh, you feel like you're like, kind of like, chewing through it. In that essence, so fortified wines. You know, obviously, I work. I work in Abelard. We these fortified wines. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we 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 exclusively use Oloroso sherry. Um, Oloroso being smelly or fragrant in Spanish, but this the PX is renowned for that. You know, right. especially the longer you sit the rest the whiskey in the PX barrel, you will get that tobacco flavor. Whereas Oloroso can often be known for uh, like a kind of leathery flavor to it, which is great. You know, um, Noah's. Have you finished pouring, pouring now, Noah? So we're on to Sonoma now. Jamie's going to t- walk everybody through Sonoma. Right, Are you so want a couple of pour of these? Pours um, of these? I'm going to revisit a couple of them. Obviously, we've had them on the podcast. Episode 75, we had the head distiller, master distiller. I'm not sure. I don't think Adam really goes by master distiller. I would say he's, a, he's the head distiller and the founder yeah. of the company. Adam Spiegel. Jack of all trades, I think. Right. I'm very he? excited about trying this brand. I've never tried this oh, brand so, before. So the cherry, we were just talking the about cherry this wood one. brands. So we had Adam, who's the distiller, the founder, uh, on an episode 75 of the podcast, 27 episodes ago. Was that 27? Oh my god! Wow, right. that's a lot. Damn. Yeah, that was back during. That was that was a uh, April May. The COVID days. Pure pure COVID quarantine right there. Where yeah. Callum came over and we did a Skype podcast uh, with Adam and You guys of course quarantined for fourteen days before that podcast. Oh right? absolutely. Well yes. literally of course. Uh, you know it's funny you say that because I literally did because before yeah. that I didn't see anybody 
since since quarantine had started. Yeah, the only person I was in contact with was the poor lady, the poor Puerto Rican lady at my supermarket right. who had to put up with me begging her for conversation and human interaction. We, <laughs> we were uh, we were pretty safe about quarantining each other. I, people I still don't believe me when I say how I only go out really for work and like these kind of things, but. I'm. I haven't traveled outside of Chicago. Yeah, I won't go to here. My, my family's from Iowa. I won't go to Iowa because they haven't handled it properly, and it's really interesting to see how. Uh, I think people see me out like on Instagram, whatever, and pushing, doing it for work, not I mean, pushing my brand. But I'm not being irresponsible about it. I'm always wearing a mask. I'm always, you know, if I'm around Bob and other buyers who I know who are responsible individuals. Yeah, I'll be a little more loose, but mm. when I go to when I go to the store and the workers there aren't wearing a mask, I walk right back out. I don't. Yeah. I don't have time for it. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. But I think that Noah's a lot of back, th- back, back again. Noah's back. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of, at least I hope, a lot of spirit companies have been doing a good job of keeping their employees and keeping other people safe. I know we we've done a really good job of that. Um, I just hope other people have as well. My brand, or my boss has reiterated to me today saying, hey, you know what? Even if it's one of our big box chain accounts, mm-hmm. if you walk into a, if you walk into an account and you don't feel safe and you somehow that comes about in the conversation and we lose that account, we back you 100%. Yeah. And it's good mm-hmm. to have that backup right there because, it is. you know, there's places I've talked about before where I've been shamed for wearing a mask in accounts, which is weird. I can't believe that. Yeah. It, it, like I was like, hey, I didn't recognize you because you're wearing that thing on your face. As he's not wearing that thing on his face, which is a mask. You're like the thing that's protecting me, right. protecting you from me. But one of, one of the things that I've, you know, and the more and more we do these tastings, the more and more we do like outdoor things and, you know, socially distanced uh, events like this, you know, that obviously it's never going to be what it was once before, but it really does give me some hope. Right. You know what I mean? That, that even if even if there isn't a vaccine until the summer next year or maybe even later, that we will start to get back to some kind of normalcy. But the key is that everybody follows those rules, you yeah. know. Um, and obviously, we're recording now and Trump had Trump was pronounced positive for COVID, what, four days ago now? As of right now, he's ago. going back to the White House, yes. So he's on his way back to the White House. But I think I'm hoping that, you know, him getting it and will really give him some kind of... Um, perspective into into the the seriousness of the situation for people that are like because obviously trump doesn't have any kind of respiratory illness but he was already he was struggling to breathe himself so you're hoping that that kind of carries over and more people start to say do you know what i'm going to take this seriously put my mask on and and hopefully that'll get us well back you know what's track. interesting is i heard that the message today from trump was no big deal covid no big deal I'm I'm in the clear already, so I, I think the opposite is going to happen. Okay. I think people are going to take it less seriously. I, I I watched a little bit of his press conference, and it, yeah, there was that sentiment, and for sure, but also there was a sentiment of I've learned a lot about the virus, and I've learned about how serious it is, and that's great. But you know, you're eight months too late. That's my that's my pinpoint to it, yeah. and what my key points to take away from it is that there's a there's a large percentage, probably 40 to 50% of this country that's relying on every single word you say. And when you say like, oh yeah, it's serious now, it's too late. Like, I mean, yeah. like we should have been doing this. We should have been doing what, we, what we've been doing, what our city has been doing the whole entire time across the entire country, which got me into little words with the South this week <laughs> by saying, 
some derogatory words about how they're handling mass approach when you have the University of Georgia supposedly having 20,000 fans in their football stadium, which looked like 50,000 fans, not wearing masks, yeah. like sitting on top of each other. And that's why I made a comment saying, fuck the South, fuck the, AC, the SEC on our Instagram post, which I'm sorry for the repercussions that anybody affiliated with in this podcast had. That's my personal feelings, not anybody else's, because I, I post 99%, 0.9% of what we uh, create and do on our Instagram page and throughout anything on our website. It's me, Jake, uh, posting that and creating that content and sharing my personal feelings. So I feel sorry for anybody who got the repercussions of that. But at the same time, I'm scrolling through channels and looking at all these crowds in Alabama and Georgia and LSU, and no one's wearing a mask in the crowds, and they're jumping on top of each other and screaming and shouting, well, that's how you spread the virus. And then we're sitting here at one of the best fucking whiskey bars in Chicago, one of the best establishments in Chicago and across the country for whiskey bars, and they're closing in a month because, guess what, our country didn't handle it safely, and they have to close their doors because they can't afford to stay closed for the entire winter. Yeah. I was a, a, and still am, a true believer that if we had just shut down for a month to two months, we would have been in the clear. That's what the, you at know, least th- at least for the most part. Yeah, it's it's sad, and I, 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 let's focus on the positives of what we're doing tonight by tasting and having an event that's socially distanced outside, wearing masks, tasting whiskey, and enjoying a good time. As Jamie presents Sonoma, I'm not sure what Jamie's actually talking about right now because she's about uh, 12 feet away from us, and it's getting, the wind is picking up here in Chicago. I know. I'm, I was actually just thinking that when uh, because when you were speaking, Jamie, Jake, what are you tasting? Oh. Ooh. Ooh. No, no, you sound great. Sound great. Your blanket looks great. So I think just to just to wheel us back a little second to, to whiskey. Yes, please um, do. The something just Noah, we, we got sidetracked a little bit when we were talking about how we the first time we tried this whiskey and we got a little bit drunk or whatever. But first of all, <laughs> my first impressions of this were were good. They were really, really good. I think we started with the rye when we were tasting. We did. We, 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 we ended the cherry wood, yes. Yeah, so we started with the rye, and as we moved up through the range, we spoke to Adam, and he kind of talked to us a little bit through it, how small how small the brand kind of started, because he, 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 he started it all. You know, I think it was 10 years ago or something. Yeah. You know? Um, he was in the precipice of a craft distilling here in America. And... You know, he he kind of he kind of took us through the ups and downs of what it was like to, to do that. You know, to begin to begin that journey, um, and there was some great stories in there. And I won't I won't ruin those because I'm sure that Adam will. If if anybody's actually wants to hear them, it's episode seventy five of the yes. podcast with Adam Spiegel. But the thing that really blew me away was we got to the last whiskey, and we'd had a couple of we'd had a couple of beers and a couple of whiskey. So you know, mouth was definitely ready for it, but the cherrywood rye. It, that's one of my favorite whiskeys I've tried this year. Oh, yeah, the Sonoma. Oh, I'm sure I, I just had it before I poured just the Sonoma rye. Oh. And just such it's a beautiful, really nice. rounded flavor to it. Like a lot of sweetness, but you do really get like a little bit of like almost like a like a wood fire there. It's yeah. lovely, lovely flavor. Did Jimmy it, talk you know? about it before while I was talking? No. I presenting? I this, is num- this is the second one. Okay. The, the well, I just know she had talked about it while I was presenting on the podcast. Because oh. um, I want her to come back on and really talk about the, we can't obviously hear her, but talk about the uniqueness of what he's doing and created his own malting facility, essentially, yeah. to create, to make this very, I think, unique whiskey. 
and I don't like to use that term too loosely at all because everyone kind of says unique in their own sense of their brand. But when you're creating your own malting facilities and then using local cherry wood from around you in Southern in Northern California to yeah, create Sonoma really felt local when we right. were talking to Adam. Like it, you know how I feel like I was talking wines, to Dave Sonoma from wines, Star Wars. Yeah, Sonoma wines obviously they they're renowned for their their flavor and whatnot. Napa, you know all that all that region up there. It's really really renowned for that. But I felt like speaking to Adam that he was really tapping into something that whiskey could attack as well, like that kind of fast. Of, of, of the distillery where they were using local it really felt local like local ingredients local wood local species of wood to, to change the whiskey yeah you know? I after we after that podcast I was sipping on those those two cherry wood products and after about a week or so I texted Jamie I'm like I think Adam has a game changer to American whiskey because you obviously have the malting process that happens over in Scotland and it's now happening all throughout the world in world whiskey but no one's approaching American whiskey like that. Most people are taking the ideals of Scotland and using that malting process to make their American right. malt. And I know there's other companies too. Like, you know, you have like your Westwards and your Westlands and all those other American malting companies that are doing American malt. But Adam's saying, like, I'm staying completely 100% local on this and making a unique whiskey to my terroir, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to create my product. Well, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's. it's it, <laughs> It's just one of those one of those moments where someone says something that's obvious, but you know no one's doing it, and it, it kind of changed my changed, I, changed I, my perspective. You'd never had Sonoma before episode, nope, and nope. I hadn't had it in years, but we both left as big fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think no matter who you are, if you speak to the owner and the founder and the creator of anything, they're going to be able they're going to be able to win you over. But to be honest, it's true. But it's one of those conversations. And meeting Adam was fantastic. It's one of those conversations that I'll remember. But genuinely, the whiskey is phenomenal. That cherrywood rye has has a really unique flavor. And like I say, we've tried a lot of good whiskey this year. Right. But it's one of my top three. It's it's really distinct and it's really delicious. Yeah. And you know what? What I I, I just tasted the the Sonoma. We are in a restaurant, ladies and gentlemen. We are in a restaurant. If you couldn't hear... <laughs> the ketchup didn't come from the cheddar dry. <laughs> are you saying the Sonoma rye smells like ketchup? Wow. No, no, How no, did no, they do no, that? No. <laughs> A1 um, steak sauce. <laughs> but th- this is the first time that I have ever tried these whiskeys. And this Sonoma rye has almost a... a medicinal quality on the finish, mm. but in a really nostalgic mm. way to me. Is thinking of my childhood and my parents, you know, giving me. Does it remind me, you like, of those cough drops, those candy cough yes. drops? Yes. Yeah, that's, I was 100%, right there with you. 100%, but in a really good way. Right. You know, I think it's funny because last, uh, so two weekends ago now, we did the um, we did the, the 100th episode and we had Chris Blattner on and this guy, just a really phenomenal spokesman for whiskey right. all over the world. And Mostly wh- America. Mo- uh, yeah, mostly bourbons really as well. But um, one of the things that Chris said that resonated with me, and, and it's been something that I've been taking on as the police go by to stop another. Chicago sounds are swarming the area. <laughs> but one of the things that Chris said that really resonated with me was talking about candy, you know, and uh. and he said that, you know, he was like, he, he, he reminisced that, you know, a lot of whiskey had with sweet flavors to it, so it reminded him of candy that he would have when he was younger. And now that he said that, I cannot stop relating the things that I'm drinking to, to chocolatey flavors that I've had in a sweetie somewhere at home, you know? Yeah, and, and that's, funny the, that that's the American aspect of whiskey. Just him saying that to me has just kind of 
put my not my I wouldn't say my whole whiskey world, but put it put in a little bit of a spin, you know, because now uh, now I'm really relating these whiskies to, to other flavours, you know, flavours that are that are that I would we would relate to sweeties as we call them back home or candy here, you know. Right. No, I agree with that hundred percent. That's where I always tell people with approaching Star Ward with twofold words, so we get products, you're gonna get more of those sweeter elements that we're used to in America because we have so many so much sugar built into our products, unfortunately. Um, as a byproduct of mass production of foods. Right. And versus a peppery, spicier notes you might get from our single malts. And it's always like, hey, if you like bourbons, you're probably going to enjoy this because we're using a lot of wheat right now in bourbons because it's a popular grain to use. Yeah. But uh, we didn't get too much in the rabbit hole. We got into some other conversation about sexism in the industry. <laughs> while you were as, as you should when we taste right, whiskey. Right, 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 right. So, uh, yeah. but... Take us through, um, uh, what's the wine cast finish? The PX Sherry cast yeah, yeah. finish, yeah. Um, so this is a whiskey that was specifically, the mash bill was specifically created for aging or finishing in a PX Sherry cast finish. And when Cave, our founder, was you know, testing his 200 plus mash bills, he settled on a weeded mash bill to finish in this PX Sherry cask. So we're not taking any of our other whiskeys and finishing it in a PX Sherry cask. This whiskey is specifically made for the PX Sherry, and I think they meld really well. And this is a weeded bourbon, so it's about 18% wheat that goes into this uh, mash bill. Uh, And it just marries really well with the the PX Sherry in the I, finish. No, I, I mean, coming from a brand that uses wheat and, cher- and not necessarily sherry casts um, for that product, but using wine casts, I think the combination, the marriage that happens with wheat and wine casts is yeah. unbelievable because you get that sweetness, but it's a different kind of sweetness. It's more vanilla and creamy and buttery from the I wheat. Creamy, I love that. And then, Absolutely. But then you provide those tropical, those fruit notes, those fig notes, maybe some orchard fruit flavors as well to it and combine that to make almost a dessert. And that's why I felt like chewing chewing, chewing on that whiskey. Like I was literally chewing on that. That's why I like to taste whiskey. But I know when I'm naturally doing that, it's kind of like that tobacco flavor to it as well. It's a slight flavor to it. It's not overwhelming that you might get from like a... Um, second more spirit, their port finish. It's very tobacco, very earthy. Like a really sweet tobacco. Right. Yeah. It's almost like the f- like that uh, like those fake uh, candied like I don't know if you remember them back in the day, but they had like the big league chew gum. Oh, a hundred percent. Like chewing on that, like not like not initially that sweetness of sugar, but it's like going through it for a while, and that those compounded flavors of sugar and sweetness after like five ten minutes in your mouth and just like have a big wad in there we were just talking a lot of nostalgia tonight oh yeah you know what from the cough drops to the big league chew that's where this podcast goes (laughs) it goes on nostalgia tangents of anything you want to go to like while you're tasting whiskey and you have a a conversation about sexism in the industry so (laughs) wherever wherever it may wherever it takes you right whiskey can do that it has that power that effect yeah um yeah we're really proud of the rabbit hole whiskeys um I was telling you know, st- before while you were presenting, I was telling Callum how I was. Uh, this is about four or five years ago. Are you guys who do you dispute with? Southern. Okay. Um, were you with Heritage at one point? Way back. Yeah. Several well, several Koval, they years were also ago. With Heritage. Yeah. And we were at a distributor showcase, whatever. And Harrison Pius, who was the brand rep at the time, yeah, yeah, he had a candle on the table, 
and somehow my blazer caught uh, wind oh of the candle no. and started to light on fire. <laughs> so not only did I enjoy the product, I still enjoyed it after my blazer was lit on fire. Do you still have this blazer? I do. I do. A, I, uh, you know, I, I was t- as I was telling Callum, nothing really happened to it. Just kind of started like charring in the bottom and a little flame, but put so it right out. It's a good out. story when you go it's out. Great story. Yeah, it's like I I still like this brand even after it put me on fire. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, you n- never know where it can go. But uh, fire you're and also whiskey. you're also with Callum as Pernod Portfolio. Yeah, uh, to do so uh, Avalar, which is going up next. Who Callum is pouring? I'm not, what did he bring tonight? Um, I believe he brought Callum. What did you bring tonight? Abuna. Oh yeah. wow! Nice little Cascanon stretch of products. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I can talk. I shall be back. So I'm here solo. This is Jake. Callum is yelling. You might hear him. The mics might be able to pick him up. He has a he has a he has the loudest voice, um, even coming through a mask that he's wearing. Maybe, maybe not. So next up is uh, after pouring to Sonoma, which uh, please go check out the podcast with them. They are a great product. Adam is somebody who you really believe in and want to kind of drink and fight for in this industry because he's doing it all himself uh, when it comes to creating the product, distilling the product, and also promoting it and selling it. But next up is Avalauer, which if you're listening to this podcast, you'll be very familiar with. Um, We had Alan Clark on in the very early days of the podcast, who was a brand ambassador here in Chicago. Alan helped us get Graham... Uh, Crookshank, their master distiller on the podcast within the first 30, 35 episodes of the podcast where we were fortunate enough to talk to him and really talk us through the history of Abelauer and everything else that the company does over in this Bayside region of Scotland. Callum came on in episode 35-ish, somewhere around there, to talk about the brand, and he never really left, and now he's yelling across the bar about Abelauer. I don't, the wind died down. Hey, the wind died down, calm down. What? I love you. I told them. I love you. Put it up. Um, <laughs> love that man. Love that man. So Jamie's back after presenting. Great I job. Am back. It was good. It was fun. I couldn't hear you. The wind was. Wind really? Was, well, it was gusting through all the umbrellas. I felt like I was being especially loud, and usually yeah. I don't have I a problem with it. I could hear you, but I couldn't like interpret you. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You know, but no. But we were. Uh, usually I'm told that I'm too loud. We were fanboying out with Adam and everything he's done with a uh, with Sonoma. Yeah. So. Good shout out there. I feel like we got a pretty good response from the ladies, too, which was cool because they tend to be heavier whiskeys. Yeah, you never um, know sometimes. I'm actually drinking the Cherrywood Rye right now. I just poured a glass. Nice. Um, so can we, I was saying this while you were presenting, can we go through the whole Cherrywood malting process? Yeah. Because I, I, if people have not listened to the episode with Adam, I really want people to know what he's done and built to create a truly unique experience of Northern California into the glass where mm-hmm. I talk about Dave for Star Wars creating the Melbourne experience the Australian experience in the glass I, I, when I was saying to Callum while you're presenting I felt like I was talking to Dave about Star Wars when we were interviewing Adam yeah yeah absolutely so um, basically the story behind it is the guys I mean if you've ever worked at a distillery it's like someone brings a bottle by and you do an after shift drink you don't usually drink your own stuff you're out there trying to try different stuff each week you know so you bring a bottle everyone has a dram yeah at the end of the day and one of them had brought a high west campfire and they were like this is it like this is we want to do something like this for our distiller's edition great um they didn't know quite what that meant so they kept drinking it all week trying to figure it out 
Um, but they did find that although they loved the whiskey, they were moving on to other whiskeys after the first drink or the first two ounces, let's say. Um, so they wanted to create an American smoked whiskey in homage, basically, to High West. But they wanted it to be ever so light in smoke um, that basically it made you want to drink more or yeah. it made you question what that flavor is. Yes. Where it's really fun to do. Like, I didn't do it tonight, but if... Um, if I'm with a friend or something, I'll cover the label and have them taste it. And nobody knows quite what it is. And it takes people a while to find the smoke, especially if they're scotch drinkers. Yeah. Um, and Kelly even said, she's like, this is so cool because I would love to introduce this to like the ladies in our group who drink bourbon, but they won't drink scotch yet. It's a good kind of Safeway drug. Like, no, it's, it's, it's everything about like, so like, Unfortunately, with so many whiskey drinkers here in America, our first experience of scotch was was, you know, a peated whiskey. Right. Having Lafroy Ten, which is right. not, which never be your introduction into scotch because right. it's a representation of one region of the country that has five regions that represent so many different flavors, so many different aspects of what they do, like we do here in America. You know, we have certain country, certain certain parts of the country that do rye really well. Certain parts do um, bourbon, obviously, all over the country really well. Mixed grains and everything else. But this is like a total experience of Northern California. Well, and the funny part, before we get to, like, the Northern California part, it's been funny going around to all the binnies and talking to the managers because they'll be, they, they've told me that there actually is a request for smoked bourbon and that's whether people know what they're asking for or not i think people may be confused when they walk in and ask but they're like oh now we do have something to fill that void and it's good and this could get my people into to smoked whiskeys or scotch so they're actually loving it as like this gateway drug is the word i was looking for earlier um but his I mean, they've been around for 10, Adam's been around for 10 years and he's, you know, been through all the highs and lows. And one of the coolest things is uh, a malt house who's friends with him. They had a relationship prior, built their new malt house, literally, I want to say 30 feet from the distillery. So no, we don't malt our own stuff, but like we're heavily involved. Okay, so it isn't. Okay, I didn't it's know that. It's technically we don't own it, right. but it's like Adam's it's really good built friend. Built on boxcars. No, so that's okay. So that's separate. So we actually get the malted barley. It's pre-malted. Okay. From the malt house, 30 feet away. Okay. And then we took a shipping container. Oh, okay. Turned that into a smoker, and we smoke uh, local cherry wow. wood. Cherry wood over okay. the barley, but the barley has already been malted. Interesting. And then it's just smoked. That, and that adds that extra character. I mean, literally, it feels like you're walking through a forest when you're drinking this. It but feels. And like I think a lot of people don't know that, like, everyone goes. Not ever. Most distilleries will go somewhere to get their grains malted. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. Typically we do, do it yeah. in house. So the fact that he has, like, it just seems like the perfect relationship Which, to have someone he's close with open a malt house right. right next door. He can be fully involved. He can say like, hey, buddy, like this stuff isn't what the last batch was, right? Like let's send that back. It's 30 feet away. It's pretty wild. And I think we need to educate people, the public better on that because I think if, they, if you know about malting, if you know about scotch, if you know about whiskey that is malted, you think of Isla because they do it themselves on in-house. For me, actually, I never 
uh, I grew up on American whiskey, really. Yeah. Uh, even though my uncle worked for Scotch, I probably should have known more. Fuck but you, like, Marty Duffy. My Fuck history you, Marty from actually, I love you, Marty Duffy. I know. I love you. Should educate me more. When are you coming back on the podcast, Marty Duffy? <laughs> Who is this Marty Duffy that I've never met? Oh, you met? need to meet you him. never met Marty Duffy? I've never oh. met Marty Duffy. International man of mystery. Yes. <laughs> As we both take a sip of whiskey. Um, <laughs> In honor of Marty In Duffy. honor of Marty but Duffy. I, I just knew about types of malt, right? Like yeah. caramel malt, chocolate malt. Like da, da, da. Oh, yeah. And I never knew what that meant. And I remember being at ACSA, this was like my first couple of years, and I was like, how do you do that? And it's all about just like basically the temperature base. Right. Um, evokes these different flavors, which was something I was too scared to ask for a really long time. So no, I think it's a, I mean, that's a wonderful point. I think that's one of my flaws as a human is that my ego gets in the way, and you don't say why or what. And instead, of you say, "Yeah, of course," and mm-hmm. ask like you know sometimes. And um, when Brittany, my wife, went to uh, on her Scotland trip for Bean Centauri, she works for Bean Centauri. No, mm-hmm. didn't know if you knew that. Uh, she was in the malting house, you know, at Lafroig and doing in the work there for a day. And it was such an amazing experience for her to like get to see how the hands-on operation works. And for me, it was one of the first times I saw live pictures of how the process goes. Like, I knew yeah. what it was, but didn't know how it was done necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, yeah. I do have to give a shout out to Lou Bryson's book too. does a really good job with oh, pictures true. and like yeah. kind of spelling that out uh, um, because I felt the same way. Mm. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lou. Hey, Lou. <laughs> Who also does a show with Marty Duffy. Mm-hmm. Now, live on the internet. What's it called? I'm sorry I don't know it because I watch it. But Sip uh, of knowledge. Sip of knowledge. You were on it. You were on it, Jamie. You were on the... First of all, Marty, thanks for the invite. Um, yeah, you should give him shit now. Yeah. He gave uh, you shit. I haven't been on that. Liz, I think, is the star of the show. Uh, yeah. Lou... Your laugh is amazing. Your knowledge is incredible. Marty, I don't know why you're there. Don't know why you're there. Nobody does. Nobody does. <laughs> but he, sh- he should be here right now, actually. He should. Callum, what are we tasting? Can we call him? What are we tasting? The Abuna. Abuna. This one. Callum was checking out the label of his own bottle. I'm sure he's presented... You know, the other thing about... That's okay. I did give the wrong mash bill, but then I caught myself. Oh, I did it the last Ooh. time here. We did the first tasting we did here about <laughs> a month a ago. Rusty. I go, this is uh, for the twofold. I go, this is 40% to wheat, 60% malted barley. And as soon as I said it, I'm like, that's not right. Yeah, I saw Kelly writing it, it down. And I was like, she can't write this down. It's wrong. No <laughs> notes, Kelly. She takes copious notes. I feel like they're listening to Callum a lot more than listen to us. Because Kelly, well, if Callum, Callum screams, yeah, it's true. I was trying to scream, but and he's funny. Everyone had their dinner out while I was while I was presenting, and I was like, "Uh, am I disturbing you?" Yeah, well, you know, Callum had he's, he had uh, like twelve drams in front of him. It's true, and, and then presented. It's true. He he drank a lot during his sober October. Yeah, well, I'm just saying everybody else. Here in the middle of this, getting wasted. I'm saying everybody else had 12 drams to, mm. so we, you know, we warmed everybody up for Cal. Good point. Good point. I was just trying to recruit, recruit all the ladies to work in the liquor industry. All of them here. I was. Yeah, I was like, if you guys are interested, I know a guy, or Marty, a lady. or a lady. Marty, right? Marty. No, all no, actually, all no, roads lead back to Marty. No one do. knows what Marty does. <laughs> So for a long time we call he is my godfather and I made the guys only refer to him as godfather <laughs> which we call him that 
<laughs> Which he's like, why are you calling me that? I knew I made it in this industry when last year, after Indie Spirits, when Marty got on the microphone. Maybe Drunkle. Drunkle, yeah. Good way of putting it. And started yelling at me why he hadn't been on the podcast yet. <laughs> at that point, I'm like, all right. My, uh, my coworker, our head distiller, was in town from Australia that week. He's like, everyone keeps asking about this podcast. Is it kind of a big deal? I'm like, no, not at all, really. But people keep asking me about it. So this is a good week for you to be here. Ah, it worked out really well. This is beautiful. I'm sorry. Is that the Abuna? The Abuna? No. I actually like the 12 year. 12 is Oh, oh. the 12's great. So it's such a nice malt, like, introductory. Like chocolatey kind of Hershey kiss to it. It's so soft yeah. and I, just I, I light on its feet. Like everyone that's ever listened to this podcast knows we've had Abelauer on a ton of times. Callum's part of the podcast, obviously. But... As a scotch distillery, it's one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, it's top, top. It was before that, too. Um, the 12 is just such a beautiful entry into the world of scotch. It's yeah. so approachable, light on its feet, so just like apple fruit forward. And then the 16, this is so balanced. There's the Abuna. I haven't had Abuna in a while, actually, so I'm glad to experience this. I have an unopened bottle of Abuna Alba at home that... Uh, I'm waiting for a nice time to enjoy. The world's best. Oh, yeah. Give a shout out to that. I don't think we actually talked about that on the podcast since they were named World's Best Whiskey. Forbes, yeah. Forbes and um, the IW. Did Brad Jaffe write that article? Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I think he did. Brad's a good guy. He's a writer based. I'm not really sure where Brad's based out of because I've seen him in. New York, California, Chicago. I saw him spending a lot of time in, in Hawaii recently, so he's a world traveler that I would love enjoys to, a dream. I would love to be a world traveler that just wrote about whiskey. I tried to do that. It didn't work out very well, and that's why I'm here as a brand rep today. <laughs> also a really wonderful job. Oh, We are very lucky to... I can't complain when I say that my jobs have taken me to Australia, Europe, all across the country. So, uh, yeah, not a bad gig at all. Yeah. What are you pouring now, Callum? What are you pouring now? Oh, wow, great, yeah. Yeah, 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 we drop. Give you a we drop right in the face. See, I couldn't yeah. get anybody to respond to saying, I think I tried do you have any favorites? Oh, I got nothing, I got nothing, too. Oh, questions? Really? No questions, well, I think no favorites. People were a little juiced. Literally everybody was eating while I was talking, so uh, felt a little outnumbered there. I've also presented to probably... Over half of this woman who whiskey crowd, at least twice. So this is your second time. Third, third time. Third or fourth. Some of them. You also went first today. That that yeah, sometimes I, can be. I like to do the lead off, you know, right there. Last time we did it with Calum going first, and he brought Abuna, Abuna Alba. And so all six. the cast yeah, strength. Yeah, yeah, all cast strength, right, right <laughs> off the bat. Great. Which I didn't know he. Well, Calum <laughs> got a clap. None of us did, but uh, it's the accent. Sounds like we're kind of wrapping up here. Woo! I thought it was really good, man. It was a really, really good event. I'm glad that everybody came. I'm glad everybody enjoyed themselves. And like I said, it really fills me with... Whiskey. Cheer. No, it Admiration. Feels, it, it fills me with hope, you know? Can we talk about the Aston Villa win real quick? It happened uh. yesterday. It's a difficult no. time for uh, me. Lower your, lower your standard. Lower your, uh, Especially because I took Grealish out of my fantasy yeah, team. It's probably worse than the ever. I was involved. Why would you ever take Grealish? Um, I think the best part is just having people out and about. Yeah. 
I mean, we definitely filled up Fountainhead for the tonight. Tonight would have been half full. And everyone ate. Everyone yeah. drank. Everyone's taking a little cheer merch. home with them. Mer- a lot of merch. <laughs> Cutting go, boards, tasting go boards. I might just go around the other tables and be like, here, take that t-shirt. <laughs> if I, I should have unloaded my uh, storage unit like you did. Yeah, that's, that's the secret these days, I yeah. think, man. Is well, Kelly you, coming on? You always you always wonder like, what else what else are we gonna do with this stuff because we can't exactly. do exactly that was what we were talking about today. That's what you we know? were saying these bars a lot of these bars are closing. We need to we need to give the love out as quickly as we can. We're trying to do some dry tastings and provide merch for those to helpfully emphasize or um, dry tastings in retail. Just Isn't like that talking about the brand? Yeah, and like hey, here's a hat with a pin. If you buy a, <laughs> buy a bottle, you get a hat and a pin, but... Something. Any kind of incentive to buy something. But we get, we still have Florida and Texas doing tastings right now. and So here comes Live the tastings, wet tastings. Here comes the lady of the hour. Lady of the hour. Lady of the night. I'm the lady Kelly. of the night. Callum's Callum and I can share a mic. Oh, we have some microphone passing around. Jamie's still wearing her uh, blanket yeah, over her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, you're actually, like, commentary. We commented on your dress because Jamie was. She's very impressed by it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, well, there, then. Uh, What's happening over here? Okay. Callum's by, er, pawning off more merch to people. Yeah, so how's this uh, live stream thing going? Oh, it's not really a live stream more than it is just a live commentary. Live commentary. Kelly, welcome back to the podcast. Hi. It's been quite a while. Yeah, was that like January? I think so. It was right after the new year sometime. Back at Beguile, our old recording studio where they've said, guys, don't come back. Do they really? No, just (laughs) COVID. But breweries can open up now, so maybe we can hopefully go back uh, soon. But I mean, can you really beat this being outside in the in the elements of Chicago, with Bob holding a clipboard behind us? <laughs> oh, we should probably announce that to the, to the about the orders. Um, people can take orders from uh, the the market if they want to order anything after tonight. Oh. So okay. we should after probably tonight? well right now. Okay, because we were pushing the go buy stuff. But right. If, if they want to buy something tonight, just come and find me because the market is technically closed on Monday. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, our market, yeah, our market shop is closed on Mondays. But I can just go down there and open it up real quick. Did you see how slow my thought process was? I'm like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> the days, they all they all blend together. Oh, okay. You heard it here first, people. Is that Marty Duffy? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Kelly, back to the podcast. (laughs) A brief uh, interruption. How did tonight go? It was so much fun. You know, I I love doing these events. I love um, getting to see people and also, like, watching their faces and, like, hearing their reactions on them trying a, a whiskey for the first time like the two ladies over near us who were like oh we're not scotch drinkers and i love that when you know they start trying it and you see them like slowly turn like oh wait like right. this isn't what i expected and whether it's scotch or even like you know bourbon or anything like it's just so fun to to watch that like change go in their head where they're like 
actually going, wait, this is not what I expected on any type of whiskey. And, and like, oh, I like this. I want to I want to explore more. And I love I love that. I, so, I think Aberlauer in a lot of ways changes people's perception of yeah. the world of single malt. It's like, a preconditioned scotch. idea to what scotch is going to taste like. But scotch doesn't have to be, like we talked about, your Lafroy's, your Beaumars, or anything that comes off of Isla, or even Macallan, for that example, um, that people have these very high-proof, stronger, peated whiskeys coming over from Scotland. You can have these really nice, enjoyable, chocolatey, smooth, round flavors to your experience that we have in America coming over from Scotland. And part of that experience, or part of the process that comes from making scotch is bourbon barrels going over to Scotland and aging their yeah. juice inside of there which is a big part to what they taste like at the end of the day. And I think the, my favorite thing about Women Who Whiskey is when anybody when anybody gets um, just introduced to any new whiskey. And my, my favorite thing is when people come back and say, oh, you know, you introduced me to this whiskey and now yeah. it's my staple. And, oh, I met this other person here at one of your events who I'm now friends with. Like, mm. Those are my two favorite things. And so... Yeah, I, I hope Brittany's listening because she's always like, "I need more girlfriends." Like, join Women Who Whiskey. Exactly. Right. She should. I'm, and if she ever needs someone to drink whiskey with, I know she likes peated whiskey like me. Right. So, she, tell her all the time. <laughs> she was gonna come tonight. She's like, "Well, what if they're sold out and the bar's full?" I'm like, "I think Bob will make room for we you." Would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next time, just let me know. And yeah. Then I will. She's always welcome. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. So, uh, how did you think it went? Great. I mean, I I love to see people coming back out. Yeah. And obviously, it's we haven't. I'm going to avoid that conversation about what's happening at this bar right now. Um, we haven't talked about it yet with Bob and the staff yeah. yet. But it's just it's great to see that there's still support out in Chicago to come out to your bars, your local bars, neighborhood bars, and have a great time. Like We have not just Women Who Whiskey event happening right here. We also have a full bar behind us in restaurant where people are out drinking. Like, the table right there, they have like eight empty pint glasses. <laughs> it's awesome. And then they also have whiskey glasses, and people well, are just enjoying awesome themselves. People are willing to be here, even though it's, what, like 55 degrees or right. something? We're sitting Breezy. outside. It's, like, not the nicest night, but people want to be around people. People want to be drinking out. And yeah. That's so Chicago. I know. You know, <laughs> I love it. Right. I, love I, people. I, I saw someone post a meme the other day of, like, two guys sitting in the street while snow is coming down. They're in parkers on a hat, drinking beers outside on a table. And, like, the original Chicago. I'm like, yeah, that's what it should be. Yeah. We endure, we endure the elements. and keep living and having a good time it's just what the city is all about and if it's going to be snowing or if it's going to be cold and only rooftops and sidewalk patios are open people will still go out i mean my attitude for this winter and for everybody all the operators is embrace the winter yep. come prepared come bundled up order a warm drink bring a blanket outside, bring a blanket sammy's wearing a blanket bar. right now well, you Just know, I it. read I an article that said, you know, ski resorts have never had that problem. And, you know, where I right. grew up in Utah, it was like a thing where you go skiing and then you go sit on the patio and you drink. And it was like, wait, why aren't we thinking about that the same way here where you sit under a heater, you like hope you're in the sun or you're next to a fire. A and you're fire still, pit. Yeah. And it's yeah. you're like already wearing your massive coat anyway. So. No, we've adapted so much over this last seven to eight months. I do. What does it say? <laughs> Real women drink bourbon. Although I, I or really world whiskey. Or scotch. Or but I don't really Irish drink bourbon. So that bourbon. would be my... I, it would have to say, like, real women drink, well... Whiskey. Whiskey. Yeah, whiskey would work. Or just real women. Yeah, that would work. 